Good evening. Welcome to Little Farms Chapel. Let's take a minute and greet one another. We are going to start this evening's song service with number 230 out of the Trinity Psalter, Holy, 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 number 230.
for the last song, we're going to flip to number 433, Amazing Grace. Number 433. Thank you, Ashley. Thank you, Michelle. Uh, welcome to Little Farms Chapel this evening. Uh, if you're visiting with us this evening, my name is Mark Scatura. I'm one of the pastors here. Pastor Bob will be arriving back from Costa Rica on Tuesday. Uh, this evening, we have the joy of welcoming Mr. Trent Hordyke to the pulpit 
Trent uh, and his wife Alicia and their daughter Harper are here. Trent is an intern at Harvest OPC and a, a student at Puritan uh, Reformed Theological Seminary. So uh, it's a joy to welcome him and hear him bring the word this evening. Um, please join me now in a time of silent prayer. Please rise for your call to worship this evening. Taken from Revelations chapter 4, verse 11. Worthy are you, O Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they existed and were created. Receive now your greeting from our Lord. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray. O Lord, you are the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God. You are the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone possesses immortality and dwells in inapproachable light, whom no name has seen or can see. To you be honor and eternal dominion. Father, we bless you the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every blessing in the heavenly places. We praise the glory of your grace that chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. We rejoice that we have been sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance. We worship and adore you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Please open our eyes the eyes of our hearts, that we may, may know the hope of your calling, the riches of your glory, of, of our inheritance, and the surpassing greatness of your power toward us in Jesus Christ. All this you have brought about in Christ when you raised him from the dead and seated him at your right hand in the heavenly places. Please receive our worship and our praise to the glory of your grace. We ask this all in Jesus' name. By the power of the Holy Spirit we, and all God's people said, Amen. With that, I'd like to invite you now to, to turn to number 291 in your Trinity Psalter hymnal as we sing, O oh, for a Thousand Tongues to Sing, number 291.
This evening, as we come to our congregational prayer, I just wanted to reach, I know I spoke with some of you in some prayer requests, but are there any other prayer requests uh, that we can bring before the Lord this evening? Mary? I have a 13-year-old granddaughter who's having a curvature of spine surgery on Thursday. Okay, 13-year-old granddaughter. Mary has a 13-year-old granddaughter having curvature of the spine surgery on Thursday. Yes, Carly. Yeah. So Carly's friend, uh, her her five-year-old daughter Macy, who we prayed for with the tests, it was found that she does have cancer. Um, so just. Prayer for the family as, as the doctors determine the course of treatment moving forward. Anything else? Ms. Carol? Yeah, I just wanted to say, um, when we visited today, physically she is doing remarkably well, I think. But, you know, she's Okay. So, so, uh, We've been praying for Althea with her recovery from her, her hip surgery. Um, she's doing well physically, but uh, mentally and spiritually, she's, she's down. Oh, sorry. M- men- sorry, mentally and emotionally, not spiritually. Jim? My friend Jack, we've been praying for, has been uh, removed from ICU and is now in the room and doing Praise God for that. So Jack, that we've been praying for with in ICU with his kidneys, is out of ICU now and doing better. Anyone else? All right, let's come before our Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Our gracious and heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity that we can approach your throne of grace through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, we come to you with many praises this evening. Father, we thank you for the many visitors that you have blessed us with. Uh, Father, we thank you uh, that people can hear your gospel proclaimed, um, even via live stream. And Father, we pray that you would be with them, that that the ministry here at Little Farms would uh, be a blessing to them. Father, we also thank you for the gift of this new covenant child to Caleb and Ali Scout. Pray that you'd be with Maeve and Anne. Um, as, um, we, we thank you that you brought her into the world safely, and we pray that you'd be with Ali as she heals. And, and we just thank you for this new covenant child to this family. Please bless this family, bless Maven, help her uh, to walk in your ways all the days of her life. Uh, Father, we also thank you for the pregnancy that we have with the Van Streens. We pray that you continue to be with Becky. Uh, help her to um, be well. Help the baby to grow strong. And Father, we're so grateful uh, that your promises are for us and for our children. Father, we also thank you for the progress uh, our brother Jim Jagger has experienced with his back issues. Um, we pray that you would continue to strengthen him. Father, we thank you also for bringing uh, the Costa Rica tr- team back safely, and we pray that you'd be with Pastor Bob and Sandy uh, as, as they will be coming back on Tuesday. 
Pray that they would have a time of refreshment down there. Um, And we thank you for the labors that you were able to bring our team through. Um, We thank you that they were able to enjoy your people and the beauty of your creation down there, Lord, that the gospel could go out to uh, brothers and sisters in Costa Rica, that they could be an encouragement to the missionaries there. And we thank you for that opportunity. Father God, now we also come to you with our petitions. We pray that you would continue to be with uh, Marv and, and Dave and Althea and Lana as they can't make it uh, to Sunday worship. Uh, Father, we also pray for those members who are receiving treatments in our midst, Christina Lloyd and, and Paul DeGraff and Tom Van Dyke. Please continue to also be with Jim Jagger as he's receiving various treatments for various things and he's not 100% yet, but Lord, we know that this is a long road. We pray that you'd be with our brother, that you'd be with Sandy as she cares for him. Uh, Father, we pray that you'd be with Trisha Horling as uh, she continues to await the results of this treatment that she has received, uh, Lord, and we know that it could take six months to see whether or not it worked, but Lord, we pray that that would be the case. Father, we continue to pray for our sister Althea as she recovers from this surgery, as she's now in rehab. Lord, we thank you that she's doing well physically, but we pray that you'd be with her mentally and emotionally uh, during this trying time. Father, we also pray that you would be with Olivia and her best friend and her family as her best friend's mother now has been diagnosed with this inoperable liver cancer. Father, we pray that this family would know you in a special way during this time. We pray um, that they would know your comfort, that they would know your peace, that they would grow in their, their knowledge of Christ and their trust in Christ. And Father, we pray that they would rest on you in a special way during this time. Father, if it be your will, we pray that you would be with Olivia as she has conversations. And and we also thank you for the care um, that this um, friend's mother will receive uh, at the hospital that her daughter will be able to actually help provide this care for her. Father, we also pray that you'd be with with uh, Mary Nabozny's uh, 13-year-old granddaughter with this curvature of the spine surgery coming up on Thursday. Please guide the, the doctor's hands. Please help uh, this granddaughter to receive uh, relief uh, for this uh, condition. And Lord, we just pray that it would be a successful surgery, that she would heal well from it. Uh, Lord, that she could glorify you through it. Father, we pray for Macy, this five-year-old girl who's now given this cancer diagnosis. We pray for the team of doctors. We pray for the the family and friends of, of Macy. And we just pray that they too would know your comfort during this time. Father, we pray that if it be your will, that you would take this cancer away, that um, she uh, would be healed, Lord. We pray for uh, good treatments. We pray for effective treatments. Uh, and we just pray that you would be with this family in a special way too. Lord, we also thank you for the, the good report of Jack, who is released from the ICU. Um, We pray that you would continue to be with him, but we thank you that he's doing well. We thank you that he was able to move out of the intensive care unit. We pray that you would continue to bless him. Father, help him to rest in you. Lord, we also pray for those uh, in the military. Uh, Father, we pray for Ross and Rich and Max and Christopher and Matthew and Diamond. Please be with these brothers as they seek to serve their country. We pray that you would keep them safe, that they would be close to you during this time. We pray for their chaplains. We pray for the, the people that they are uh, in the barracks with, that, that uh, Lord, they would be seeking your face during this time, that they would be growing in you. 
Father, we also pray for our friends of Little Farms, those who are not walking with you in our midst. We pray that you'd be with Justin and Jason and Jared and Josh and Carrie. Lord, we pray that you would continue to be with Connie, uh, Teresa Pillar's friend. Father, we know that this was a harder week again, uh, and the decisions being made to move into uh, residential care, we just pray that you'd be with Connie as uh, this is is disappointing to her, uh, but she sees the wisdom in it, and we thank you for that, and pray that you would be with our sister during this. Father, we also give you praise for uh, healing Ken's dad, Cal Leifers. We thank you that he's home now. But Lord, we pray that you continue to be with him, that you would bolster him up. We pray for energy, Lord, as he's getting back into the swing of everyday life. We thank you that he's home, but Lord, please grant him energy. Father, we also pray for uh, Bruce and Susie, uh, Paul Steensma's friend. We pray that you'd be with Susie with her recent breast cancer diagnosis. We pray that um, you'd be with the doctors there as well. Father, we also pray for um, the Veldman's friend, Randall Warner's, who has this critical brain biopsy tomorrow. Um, It's a very risky procedure, but it's one that needs to be done. And we pray, again, that you'd be with the doctor's hands. We pray that this family would be able to rest in you during this time with this young man. I believe he's only 26 years old. But, Lord, please um, be with the doctors. Let this uh, procedure be effective. Father, we also pray for uh, Dave and Marge Day's niece, Linda Esteban, with this... uh, kidney cancer surgery that she has going on Tuesday. Lord, again, we, we ask that you would be with the doctors, that you would guide the treatments, that it would be effective if it be your will, Father. We know that you are the great physician. Father, please also be with our son Todd as he's flying to Sweden for a week on business. Lord, we ask for your traveling mercies there. Continue to be with us all. Father, please be with our elected officials. Help them to lead in a way that reflects your word, Lord, help us to distinguish good from evil by growing in Christ, by moving on to that spiritual food, that, that solid food um, that we heard about this morning. Help us all to grow in maturity to your honor and glory alone. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. And with that, I'd like to invite our deacons to come forward for this evening's offering, which will be going to the Family Life Center. Please give as you feel called. Thank you.
Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, we pray tonight that here at this church, in your presence, that you will accept these humble gifts from us, that you will bless us, you have with so much, and now we in turn gratefully return a portion of this to you. We pray that these funds given to the Family Life Center will be used to offer both hope and love to those in need and who need to hear about your love. May these funds be magnified by you to reach as many as possible. And may those who disperse these funds receive wisdom and spiritual discernment that only you can give. We just ask these things in Christ's holy name. Amen. Good evening, brothers and sisters of Little Farms OPC. It's a joy to be here with you this evening. As we prepare our hearts to go into the word, this evening let's rise and sing Trinity Psalter hymnal number 531, Nearer, Still Nearer. And as we sing through this, let's, let's draw our minds to um, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and to the purchase that he's made for us so that we can be in relationship with him and so that we can have a relationship with him that brings us to eternity with him as well. So let's sing the four stanzas of Near, Still Near, number 531.
And this evening, we are going to open up our Bibles to Joshua chapter 3. That is Joshua chapter 3. And we will read the whole chapter this evening. Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Shittim. And they came to the Jordan, he and all the people of Israel, and they lodged there before they passed over. At the end of three days, the officers went through the camp and commanded the people, As soon as you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God being carried by the Levitical priests, then you shall set out from your place and follow it. Yet there shall be a distance between you and it, about 2,000 cubits in length. Do not come near it, in order that you may know the way you shall go, for you have not passed this way before. Then Joshua said to the people, Consecrate yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua said to the priests, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and pass on before the people. So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and went before the people. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now therefore take twelve men from the tribes of of, of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing. And the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. So when the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan, with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people, and as soon as those bearing the Ark had had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the Ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout this time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city that is beside Zarethan, and those flowing down towards the sea of the Arabah, the salt sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. Now the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firmly on dry ground in the midst of the Jordan, and all Israel was passing over on dry ground until all the nation finished passing over the Jordan. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. This world, the people in it, and yes, us ourselves, are so sinful. We were born into sin, and we live in a sin-fallen world. We, by all rights, deserve your judgment. But you have provided a way, a path less traveled, that we can take to escape the coming wrath. Your Son, our Lord, 
has blazed that path for us. And of this we give our thanks and eternal love to you. We pray for Mr. Trent. We pray that you will give him clarity of mind and thought. Give him the voice through which we may hear your words spoken tonight. And open our hearts so we will receive your breathed out word. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Has anybody here ever heard of or played the computer game, The Oregon Trail? It's a computer game that kids of my generation would be familiar with. A lot of us played it in our schools growing up in computer lab. And it was a game that simulated the passage that a pioneer family would have taken from Missouri all the way across the country to Oregon in the mid-1800s. In the game, as was true in real life, the trail to Oregon that you face was a treacherous adventure that would test a family's ability to fight against disease, starvation, and cold. But one of the most dangerous obstacles that the game simulates was the crossing of major rivers. One of the most treacherous rivers on the way from Missouri to Oregon became known as Three Crossings. With no bridge, no ferry, and the raging river set before them, the pioneers would plunge into the river with their wagons, with their mules, with their children, with all of their possessions. And at three crossings specifically, the mules would be immediately swimming once they entered the river because of the depth of the river. Sadly, as those of you who have played that game know, this was a treacherous portion of the trail. And many people would lose their lives, many people would lose all of their possessions as wagons capsized while attempting the crossing. Well, in Joshua 3, in this passage, we find the nation of Israel stuck in a similar type of predicament. At the beginning of the passage, we encounter the newly appointed leader of Israel, Joshua. Moses had just passed away just very shortly before the beginning of this chapter, And after a period of mourning over their former leader, we enter into the story as Israel prepares to move into the land of Canaan under the leadership of Joshua. Our text tonight details his first task as leader. His objective was to lead Israel from their place of bondage in the desert to the land of promise in Canaan. But he had one major obstacle standing in his way, the Jordan River. As we dive into scripture this evening, we'll see that because God himself has entered into the waters, we can trust his promise to free his people from bondage and lead them to freedom. And we'll consider this under three points. Notice first, the problem. Second, the plan. And third, the path. First, the problem. In verse 1, we read about Joshua and Israel departing early in the morning and beginning their march towards Canaan. And as the nation marched near towards the promised land which lay before them, the Jordan River came into view and immediately were confronted with our problem. In order to get into Canaan, the people would need to pass over the Jordan River. This may seem like a rather benign task, 
as if the Lord was starting Joshua with something off that was easier so he could get his feet wet as the new leader of Israel. However, we'll see that this task would be anything but simple. And our first evidence of the problem of crossing the river arises out of the fact that Israel had to lodge there at the bank of the river in the first place. If the Jordan River could have been easily crossed, then Israel could have just continued marching into Canaan to claim their land. There'd be no need to lodge at the edge of the Jordan River, especially if there was a bridge nearby or if they could have just marched across in shallow water. Thus, the fact that they needed to make an encampment signals to us that crossing the Jordan would be a challenge. But a second and more obvious evidence of the problem is presented later on in the text. You'll see in verse 15 about the condition of the Jordan River at this time of year in which Israel approached it. And we read in parentheses there, Now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest. See, the conditions of the river at this time of year didn't just make crossing over the Jordan inconvenient. The nation of Israel wasn't going to be able to hike up their pants, so to speak, and make their way across the river into Canaan. No, passing over the Jordan at this time of year was an absolute impossibility. The waters of the Jordan were raging strongest at this time of year. And the reason being is because the snow mount from Mount Lebanon increased the flow of water through the Jordan River, which flooded the Jordan to over a mile wide at this point. The torrent that this would have created would prove deadly to the Israelites if they tried to cross it. Unlike the pioneers who could have at least taken the risk of plunging into the waters with hope of making it to the other side, the Israelites were absolutely stuck. They were helpless. They were trapped on the side of their desert bondage with certain death flowing between them and the promised land. So they set up a camp for three days as they were forced to ponder their predicament. Can you imagine that? Picture yourself in this Israelite camp. This wasn't a three-day vacation that Israel was recuperating, regenerating strength before entering the land. You wouldn't be breaking out Settlers of Catan or Ticket to Ride or Canasta as you waited in your tent for the waters to clear. No, you'd be dwelling in your tent. And in the background, as you, as you stayed there, as you were lodged, you'd hear the torrent of the Jordan River flowing nearby a constant reminder of your inability to cross into the land that the Lord had prepared for you. Your anxiety during these three days would just continue to build as you wondered, how will we be delivered from our bondage? And you can look out across the river. You can see the beautiful land of Canaan before you. You can almost taste the milk and the honey that was promised to you, that the Lord promised to Abraham's seed in this land. And indeed, you can see salvation itself as it stands before you across the Jordan River. And what stands behind you? Egypt, the desert, evidence of the bondage in which you remain as long as you lodge on this side of the river. Bondage to pain, bondage to suffering, bondage to sin, and bondage to death. If you were an Israelite this time, there is no hope for you on this side of the river. And there is no way for you to cross into freedom 
on your own strength. You're absolutely helpless. See, what Israel faced as they camped at the bank of the Jordan was the reality of God's judgment as it stands before us. As they looked on at the Jordan River, they saw the powerful force of water, which had, been, which had the potential to carry all of Israel to certain death. And Israel was well aware of how the Lord had used fierce movements of water to judge his enemies in the past. God, of course, had sent the flood to judge the world in Noah's day of their sins. And more recently, God had just crushed the Egyptian army as they trailed the Israelites out of Egypt in the waters of the Red Sea. The reality of God's judgment would have even been more fresh on the minds of the Israelites as they were just leaving 40 years in bondage because of the sins that they had committed and refusing to enter into the land in the first place 40 years prior. So as an Israelite, you might have wondered, does God intend to judge me in these angry waters because of my sin? Will I be swept away to destruction when I step into the river? Will I ever leave the desert? Or will the sins of my past hold me captive in bondage? Congregation, we find ourselves facing this very same problem. Like Israel, we are stuck in bondage. The promised land lies before us, but God's judgment wages between us and salvation. And just as Israel knew that stepping into the Jordan River would bring certain death, so we know that when we face the righteous judgment of God for our sins, we'll be swept away to destruction. And it's in this knowledge that we cry out with the psalmist, Oh Lord, if you should mark our iniquities, who could stand? Again, salvation lies before us, but our sins render us unable to enter in because of God's judgment. Have you ever been confronted with your helplessness in the same way? Have you seen how your sins leave you utterly helpless and incapable of facing God's judgment? Brothers and sisters, the reality of God's judgment should leave us with a sense of our utter helplessness. Just as Israel couldn't just wade through the Jordan River to get to the promised land, so we cannot just skate past God's judgment and walk through the gates of heaven on our own merit. God's judgment against sin is total and complete, and there's none who can stand against it. That is the problem that the text presents. No one is able to stand against the force of God's judgment on their own merit. But God, but God, in his goodness, does not leave us to face this problem on our own. What we'll see next is the plan of the Lord to bring his people through the waters. And this brings us to our second point this evening, the plan. What will the Lord to do to bring his people from bondage to freedom? If Israel was going to cross over the Jordan River, they would need a mighty display of God's power to open the way into the new land. In similar fashion, if we are ever going to enter into salvation, we'll need a similar mighty display of God's power. So as Israel continued camping against the bank of the Jordan, the Lord sets a plan into motion, which, sets, which, which sheds a ray of hope over the nation of Israel. At the end of three days, the officers of Israel passed through the camp, commanding the people to keep an eye out for the ark of the Lord to pass before them. And once they saw it passing by, they were to follow after it, keeping a distance of 2,000 cubits, or approximately 3,000 feet. All of their focus was to be directed on the ark of the covenant as it passed 
before them. And you may remember that the ark of the Lord was the presence of God with the nation of Israel. Just as God's presence had been shown in a cloud as Israel left Egypt and approached the Red Sea, so now God's presence would go before them in the ark of the covenant as the people left the desert and approached the Jordan River. So as the ark of the covenant passed before the nation of Israel, people's minds would have been drawn to the reality that God himself was going before them into the Jordan. They would see that God's plan to get Israel across the Jordan was being carried out by God himself. The plan is further revealed as we read verses 7 through 13. Verse 7 provides the first hint as to what is going to happen in the following verses. We read in verse 7, The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. So let's get this straight. In this passage, we're dealing with an impassable body of water. Israel's trapped in bondage with no way to get to freedom. The presence of God is going before Israel, and God had promised to give a powerful sign to show that just as God was with Moses, so he would be with Joshua. You could probably guess Or, yeah, you could wager a guess at what might be going on here if you think back to a similar situation that we saw back as Israel left Egypt when God parted the waters of the Red Sea. But regardless of making that guess, the plan continues to unfold as we read through the chapter so we can see exactly what God plans to do. In verse 8, And as for you, command the priests who bear the Ark of the Covenant, when you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand in the Jordan. And verse 13, and when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. And there you have it. The symmetry between this Jordan River event and the Red Sea event is undeniable. Just as God had displayed his greatness and power by separating the waters of the Red Sea to lead his people out of Egypt, so now he's going to display the greatness of his power by raising up the waters of the Jordan to lead the next generation of Israel out of bondage in the desert. The plan of God is now fully in focus. He himself would enter the waters so that Israel could cross from bondage into the promised land. In doing so, the Lord would conquer the waters which threatened to carry Israel to destruction. And all of this leads to our final point this evening. As we see the path which the Lord cleared for his people to enter into the promised land. So, the path. Thus far, we've discussed the problem of the text, which was that Israel was trapped in bondage by the powerful, judging waters of the Jordan River. And the plan of the text, which was that God was going to enter the waters himself so that Israel could cross from bondage to freedom. So finally, we'll see how God paved Israel, the path that God paved for Israel to move from bondage into freedom. So the plan was set. Israel was to keep their eyes focused on the Ark of the Covenant as it passed before them through the camp. 
remaining 3,000 feet behind the priests which carried it. And then as the Ark of the Covenant entered into the Jordan River, they could expect that the waters of the Jordan would be cut off and stand up far away in a heap down river. Notice the faith of the people of Israel in verse 14 as they prepared themselves for this event. Verse 14, So the people set out from their tents to pass over the Jordan with the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant before the people. The people of Israel moved forward with expectancy. They had faith that the Lord would be faithful and strong to fulfill the promise that he had made to Israel. It's a very different Israel than the one that had been condemned to bondage in the desert 40 years prior. And as the Lord promised, he did clear a path for them to enter into the land. We read that later on in the chapter. And as soon as those bearing the ark had come as far as the Jordan, and the feet of the priests bearing the ark were dipped in the brink of the water, now the Jordan overflows all its banks throughout the time of harvest, the waters coming down from above stood up and rose up in a heap very far away at Adam, the city beside Zarethan. And those flowing down toward the Sea of Arabah, the Salt Sea, were completely cut off, and the people passed over opposite Jericho. With everyone's eyes fixed on the Ark of the Covenant, they watched the priests enter the water. And in an instant, the waters which threatened to carry Israel to their deaths receded and rose up in a heap very far away. It's incredible to imagine, isn't it? The gushing water which before spanned the distance of a mile wide just rose up in a heap very far away. As the water continued to flow down from Mount Lebanon, the water continued to be restrained by the power of the Lord. The Lord held the river in the place, and the threat of judgment was removed from before Israel. So the people of Israel passed over on dry ground. See, the powerful force of the judgment which flowed through the Jordan River was no match for the power of God. As the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, moved into the river, the waters were conquered. And the path was opened from bondage to freedom. The Israelites were now free to step into the dried up riverbank and cross over into Canaan. With their eye on the Ark of the Covenant, they laid claim to their salvation as God himself restrained their judgment. Their path was cleared by the power of God. What does this mean for us, brothers and sisters at Little Farms OPC? Well, this is good news for us. Because just as the Lord entered the waters of the Jordan River to save Israel from its judgment, so the Lord has cleared a path for you to flee from death to life, from bondage to freedom, as Jesus Christ himself entered God's judgment, which threatened to condemn you. If you have your Bibles open, we can turn to Hebrews 10. That's Hebrews 10. And we'll begin reading in Hebrews 10 at verse 19. Read through verse 23. 
Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. You see the parallels between this Jordan River event and our own salvation event? See, when Christ went up to the cross, he entered into the agony of God's judgment. Just as the ark entered into the judging waters of the Jordan River. However, rather than being destroyed by the judgment of God like any of us would have been, Christ walked confidently into God's judgment, knowing that he and only he could stand blameless before the throne of God. And what happened? Well, the waters of God's judgment receded. Just as a path was cleared for Israel to enter into the promised land, Christ has cleared a path for his people to enter into salvation by imputing his righteousness to them and presenting them spotless before the throne of God. Beloved, what sins plague your soul? that leave you unable to bear the load of God's righteous judgments? Does your abuse of drugs or alcohol cause you to mistreat family members? Then look to Christ and see the judgment of God retreat before you as his righteousness equips you to walk from death to life. Do you feel the weight of God's judgment raging against you because you indulge your sexual lusts once again? then watch as Christ takes the weight of that judgment which you deserve upon himself so that you can move towards freedom. Are you afraid that the Lord will sweep you away in judgment because of your greed, because of your habit of lying, because of your fixation on money or your mistreatment of a friend or any host of other sins? Then see Christ on the cross, stepping willingly into the judgment of God and move forward with confidence towards the promised land knowing that the Lord your God has cleared a path for you from death to life. Brothers and sisters, Christ has so fully removed the burden of judgment from us that there's no longer any stream of sin which you need to overcome. Christ didn't just slow the river so that you could cross with the water only up to your ankles. He didn't just make it possible for you to wade through your sin on your own might. He completely dried the riverbed so that you wouldn't have to wade through so much as a puddle of sin. And he cleared a path so that we could enter into salvation dry, holy, and pure. And as we continue reading in Hebrews 10, 
you'll see that this truth does not mean that we can continue to indulge our sins. We must repent. We must repent in the faith that Christ has overcome our sins, and then we must repent again and again and again as we wage war against our sin. But for those of you who have genuinely repented, who are eagerly seeking to flee your sin, yet find yourself despairing at the thought that God and his righteous judgment could possibly spare you. Joshua 3 is a spiritual bomb. This message gives peace to all of you who have come to an awareness of how great your sins and miseries are. And it points you to a Savior who has removed your transgressions far from you. In this we can rest assured that Christ will remain in that river until all of his people have been brought to freedom. His payment was sufficient, and his love is guaranteed for all those who trust in him. So congregation, fix your eyes on Christ in this coming week. When your sins stand before you to carry you to damnation, look to Christ. Repent, and he will remove them far from you. Remember that there, is there, that there is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So press on and see him as he stands before you in the midst of the Jordan. March boldly in the confidence of the promises which he has made to his people. And lay claim to the home which the Lord your God has prepared for you. Amen. Let's go to God in prayer. Oh God, our Father, what a beautiful truth that we see in this passage of Scripture tonight. That your people, whom you have chosen from before time, to be called, to be predestined, to be your faithful people, the children of Abraham. That you yourself have entered the waters of your righteous judgment. That you have conquered the effects of sin for us so that we could move from our life in bondage into the salvation that you have prepared for us. Lord, it's you that we praise for this. It is all of you. It's none of our own strength. It's none of our own abilities. It's none of our own works. Lord, it's by faith alone in Jesus Christ. And Lord, this once for all sacrifice, this once for all payment for sins is what we rest in as we go through this week. As our sins rise up to convict us, to condemn us, as Satan seeks to persecute us and to tell us that there is no salvation for us because of our sins that we can rest in this promise that you have borne that weight for us and that you have called us home to dwell with you. So Lord, we praise you, we glorify you, and we give our lives to you. Forgive us of our sins and, and move us by your spirit to repent of them daily. 
And Lord, be glorified even in this. Lord, we pray all these things in your name. Amen. As our service draws near to a close this evening, as we prepare to head into our week, let's sing of that hope that we have and the one in whom we have it as we turn to Trinity Psalter Hymnal number 459. My hope is built on nothing less. It's number 459 and we'll rise to sing. benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Go now in the Lord. Amen.